Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Nick Augustine, and I'm here with Attorney Mark Scroggins of the Scroggins Family, serving Dallas, Collin, and Denton counties. This is the Scroggins Family Law Podcast Series, featuring news and information in Texas divorce and family law. Today's show is issue spotting and awareness about family violence and protective orders, uh, sort of from the perspective of what people can do to prepare ahead of time, uh, similar to having a fire drill, having a plan in place if anything (laughs) were to go bad, learning from the you know, history and things that have happened with others. So we'll do some, uh, we'll chat a little bit about some of the warning signs that you and others might detect before it's too late. Uh, Also, we'll talk about the general process of obtaining a protective order in court, the full, the force and effect of uh, a protective order and what that means. But moreover, we'll talk about what happens if you don't have access to money or a support system and something happens and you need to leave your spouse. Folks, this is something that people can plan ahead for. Again, just like another drill, if something were to happen, know what to do. Uh, Also, we'll talk about social media technology and some of the pitfalls uh, and realities of trying to protect your privacy and safety in 2017. Um, Before that, though, we're going to talk about uh, some things that Mark has to share. Uh, He just got back from the Advanced Family Law Seminar and Training by Texas Bar CLE in San Antonio. Um, and uh, I'm here again. This is Mark Scroggins. I'm with, and he's board certified in family law. He's an aggressive and experienced trial attorney practicing in Dallas, Cullen, and Denton counties. Uh, this is a general information program, by the way. This program is not legal advice, entertainment purposes only. And uh, it's time to say good morning to Mark Scroggins. Wow, that was a mouthful. Yeah. Hey, man, how you Hi. doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. It's a, it's a Friday, and uh, I've got roofers on my property nailing down new shingles after all our hail damage we had. You know, hail happens. Hail happens. You know, uh, hail happens. Um, family law also happens. So let's talk about family law and uh, the advanced family law training you were just uh, in San Antonio for and what that is every year, who all goes, and what that's like for people who might not know anything about it. Sure. Yeah, the Advanced Family Law Seminar is the biggest, actually, as I understand it, it is the biggest continuing legal education course in the country. Um, I mean, it's huge. It's thousands of people that uh, that show up to this thing. So, uh, you know, it's something that is, uh, well, all lawyers are required to have at least 15 hours of continuing legal education annually uh, being board certified. We have to have more than that. Uh, so the advanced is a four-day-long uh, seminar that uh, just goes through, you know, all kinds of topics related to family law, and um, it's a little bit like drinking from a fire hose. I mean, you know, good thing is I've been doing this, gosh, almost 25 years now, so, uh, you know, there isn't anything that has come up that is something I haven't heard of before, but uh, there's always there are always changes in the law, and there are different theories that come out on a lot of stuff like mental with you know mental health experts and and what's happening in you know with the legislature and stuff like that what's what's passed and um uh, so anyway it's uh you know there's there's a lot of stuff going on there but uh it is it is a very interesting thing that is uh you know something that all folks should be glad that uh you know their lawyers go and and get that additional education because it's important yeah i suppose there's probably a lot of uh you know talking amongst uh, everyone and learning you know, people not necessarily talking about their cases but general 
things that are going on in different people's law practices is probably very eye-opening. It, it is. And, I mean, you know, one of the things that is really uh, – that is – you know, really good is there is the Texas Association of Family Law Specialists, which you have to be board certified to be a member of that. And, uh, you know, so it's really kind of the, uh, well, and I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but really the upper echelon of uh, the practice of family law. And so you've got a bunch of folks there that are, you know, talking about different things and different things that you see. And, um, you know, and that is a, that's a really good resource that, uh, you know, you're, your average family lawyer does not have access to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and um, you all talk about legislation and things that are, you know, different bills and things that are being tossed around. I suppose that some of these things are ideas that are conceived and discussed uh, amongst professionals and you know, family law attorneys sometimes before they are uh, introduced as potential legislation. We're always trying to make better laws. Well, there's some of that, and I mean, you know, the there's uh, the Texas Family Law Foundation has uh, there's a lobbyist who lobbies on behalf of the family law section of the state bar of Texas related to certain bills, and so here's a here's a good example. Okay, there was a bill that was introduced in the legislature that, thank goodness, was killed in committee, where there was somebody that wanted to you know have a change to the family code where there was no longer no fault divorce that you would have to prove. Right fault in cases now and you know the idea was to make it more difficult to get a divorce and there are so many problems with that on so many levels i mean it would totally uh, it would completely jam up the uh the machinations of the judicial system with with having to prove all of that now, because I mean, you you would increase the number of cases going to trial uh, exponentially, um, and so you would really just gum up the works. Plus, I mean, I think the people who introduced the bill, I think it's it is a it is fine in theory, but practical application is really poor because generally, once you get to the once you get to the point of being ready to file for divorce, you know that uh, most of the time that train has left the station. I mean, you're not saving marriages by forcing someone to prove fault. You know, I mean, it's just so, <laughs> you know, the, the way to do something like that, which I still think would be a bad idea, is if you wanted to create an additional waiting period or you could create other, you know, other things, other hoops that people had to jump through, like you've got to be separated for X amount of time, blah, 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 blah. Those are things that you could you could do. I'm not sure that they would really stand up to a a constitutional challenge, but it's stuff that you could you could try. Um, mm-hmm. But the best thing is that you know it all just got left alone, which is frankly the smartest thing to do. Well, and I I, I tend to agree with you on that. And I was uh, aware of when that bill was filed, and it was a that was an interesting one. And I'll say this for the benefit of roundtabling and discussing things. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the collaborative thought process that goes, even though you know we decide, we, you know conf- confirm that something might be a, you know a bad idea in in practice, I think there's some value in discussing it and everyone kind of throwing things on the table and having that reality of 
why this would be a problem, why no-fault divorce came into play, um, and, you know, how these things, you know, instead of just assuming that all the laws and the family code, the way they're written today, should always be the way they are, because, you know, the reality is our laws change and adapt to circumstances and, you know, that which is going on around us. So, um, uh, yeah, very uh, interesting uh, thought, though. Yeah, I mean, the, the, problem, the problem lies in... The problem lies in the people that, you know, that author the bill that are not family lawyers, that haven't consulted with family lawyers, that don't know anything about uh, the manner in which the judicial system really works. And, you know, so they're just penning a bill for, I'm going to say for political purposes, to pander to their, uh, to their constituency. Right. And, uh and frankly, you know, I don't have any respect for politicians that do that in the first place. Um, but if you're going to, if you're going to draft a bill and you are going to put it into play because it is something that you believe is absolutely right, and you're not just pandering and doing it because you think you know you can play to a to a certain political group, that's fine. But then do the you know do the proper legwork to actually research what the ramifications are of if this goes into law, what is the effect going to be? You know, so right now, you know, in big counties, let's you know talk about Dallas County for example. You know, getting a case to trial does not happen quickly. You know, generally you're looking nine to twelve months. A lot of the time you're looking up to two years. It depends on you know what the issues are and all that. But getting you know, getting something heard is a problem. Uh, you get into other big counties uh, that do not have associate judges, Collin County, Denton County, you know, some of these, um, you know, it can be longer. It can be much longer. I remember, you know, not too long ago having a case in, uh, in Tarrant County, which has associate judges, and we were trying to get a, uh, get a trial setting on something. It was 18 months to get a trial setting. Now, the case had already been going on nine months. You know, so, I mean, that's the, so just imagine, take that situation and multiply it, you know, by 10. Uh, if every single case, then to, to get to that point, you additionally have to go through proving fault. You know, so it, it anyway, it, it would, it would you absolutely be a trials down the street. You'd have to build extra courthouses. I mean, I know yeah, that. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, Collin County Courthouse, I mean, there's three turn lanes to get in there. I mean, you just double-decker, add another one on top of that. I mean, it would it could be a pandemonium, absolutely. You know, I well, think... Well, the, uh, the, the big issue would be, I mean, for, it, for that to work, the tax increase in the state of Texas would have to be huge. I mean, because that's the only way you could deal with it. You've got, you would have to have more judges. You would have to put associate judges in play. You know, it, it just would be, it'd be crazy. So, you know, everybody in Texas, one of the things we like is that, you know, no income tax, although our property taxes are outrageous compared to just about everybody else in the country. Uh, but, I mean, get ready for something like that because you got to pay for it somewhere, and what are you going to do? You're going to keep sucking money away from education? I don't think that's a winner. So, you know, right. <laughs> how do you pay for it? Well, I mean, and there's, you know, you made a very good point, though, to drive home about uh, legislators and the people who are behind. You know, I always think of lobbyists and some of the money that funds a lot of these political, um, these political outfits. 
Um, and this is off the topic of family law, but the bathroom bill is something that you know, came up pretty often. And you know, people who like that idea are you know, on a political side, but then you talk to lawyers about it, and it's a whole different, whole different approach. You know, more right. laws, more problems. Who's going to police it? I mean, it would be a judicial nightmare, you know. So there's, a, you know, there's all sorts of – the thing is we can't protect ourselves from life. Life is going to happen. Hail happens. Right. I got contractors out here nailing things. People go crazy. Um, you, know, the, you know, things in the news right now. Lots of tension, lots of stress, things going on with North Korea and everything else. Times of uncertainty, right. people tend to act um, other than they might normally act, and people get freaked out. And one of the things that we see is, unfortunately, the instance of family violence sometimes has right. spikes during certain times um, when people are more apt to fight, um, you know, things – People could have things that are boiling in their head and it just, it, you know, it erupts at some point, um, you know, and a lot of the fam family violence, domestic violence training talks about warning signs um, that other people might detect before it's too late. Some people talk about uh, a controlling spouse who um, doesn't give the one access to money. Uh, you know, they move them away from family. What are some of the other things that, that are common, um, you know, that people might be looking out for if they're worried about a family violence situation? Well, I think you just, you just mentioned uh, a couple of the, the biggest ones. I mean, you know, it's, it's a control issue, and the control tends to manifest itself in, in different manners. One where, you know, somebody is the – key, the key term, I would say, is isolation, okay? Isolation from, you know, family and friends. They want to kind of cull – it's like, you know, the way a, a, a wolf pack – Hunt. You know, they want to cull the the uh, weakest weakest member of the pack of sheep away from the other sheep. You know what I mean? So you kind of got the same thing there, where you want to create isolation in that they are trying to keep uh, you know keep that person away from family and friends. There's a uh, pattern in practice by that person of you know really kind of damning all of the family and friends. You know, they're uh, you know just talking about what you know bad folks they are or you know they uh they're soul suckers for lack of a better way of putting it you know they just always want something from you never have anything to offer uh and then the uh you know economic isolation you know if you don't have access to any funds it makes it very difficult from a practical standpoint to up and leave now are there options of course there are you can always leave and go to a shelter but you know a lot of people you know are not willing to take that step so those are the types of things that you generally, you know, are are the biggest concerns. I mean, there there are other things, but we have to be careful too in um, in counseling people on looking out for stuff because there's there's a fine line between being concerned, you know, and being that nosy neighbor who's got their nose in everybody else's business, you know, and uh, it's kind of the old thing, you know, if you're really looking for something, you can generally find it, you know? And so what might seem controlling to one person uh, might not be controlling to someone, someone else. I think it is, it is fantastic if you have a, a group of friends to, you know, examine statements that are made by someone. If you've got, you know, if it's a, 
uh, a woman and you're you know you're you're complaining to your girlfriends about you know he's so controlling he won't let me you know doesn't want me to spend any time with my family you know we I haven't seen my family in five years and he doesn't want the kids to visit my parents and he doesn't want my parents to come here and visit the kids you know explore that stuff and you know ask additional questions you know well what else is going on i mean is does you know or is there any violence what you know it's important to ask those questions but then the you know what to do um becomes a becomes a serious question it does. And before we talk about what to do, let's, uh, mm-hmm. when we get to that in a second, what about the, okay, so I agree in um, not looking for problems that aren't there, not reading too much into things that are not, you know, an emerging problem yet. What if you know that right. the person has a past? I mean, the second someone says, um, you know, so-and-so, I'm worried that they might get violent, but there's really no... Uh, incident or anything happens, you know, people can do internet or searches and let's say they find uh, an assault charge that the person had years ago or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, something, something does happen that's like, you know, has he ever hit you? Has she ever hit him? I mean, we should also cover that. It goes both ways. Absolutely. Um, You know, um, what to, and, and at what point, go ahead. Well, I was going to say you're you're absolutely right. And there are a lot of different things. I want to clarify one thing real quick. To be able to get a protective order, it does not mean that he has to have hit her or she has to have hit him. Okay, an assault place is some, if somebody is reasonably okay in fear for their safety. You know, so it doesn't take you know getting your ass whipped to be able to get a protective order. And there are a bunch of different types of protective orders that you can get too. So we can go into that a little bit as well. But um, the thing to remember, you know, if, if you've got, you know, some guy and you see this a lot of times when drug and drugs and alcohol are involved as well. um, But if you see a situation where, you know, he's saying, you know, I, I ought to just fucking kill you. You know, those kind of, that, that is a perfect example of a statement that gives rise to, you know, the possibility of a protective order. Now, viewed in a vacuum, just that one statement and that one statement alone, not combined with anything else, you know, it might be difficult to, to completely get there, uh, depending on the judge or depending on the type of, type of protective order that, that you are temp- attempting to get. So, it, you know, it needs to it needs to be combined with, with what else happened. You know, was he, was he drunk and get invading your personal space, and did he raise a hand like he wanted to hit you but didn't hit you? You know, if you can tie that in with a statement like that, you're going to get there, okay? And then at that point, you can talk about, you know, some of the history. If this person's got, you know, a history of being abusive, has different family violence charges or has different assault charges or uh, you know, here's a, here's another situation. Let's say you, you know, that they've got a, uh, a history of, uh, or are currently using steroids, you know, so you've got a roid rage argument. You know, those are all things that can, that can come into play in uh, a protective order. Now, what kind of protective order are you going to get? You're going to get a magistrate protective order. You're going to get a protective order under title four of the family code. Those are totally different. You know, a magistrate's order, 
generally is going to run for 60 days, approximately. You, you know, it could be less. Um, you know, and there's a, uh, there's a cooling – basically what it does is it provides for a cooling off period. So you've got something there where it says, hey, you go to your corner and you go to your corner and you two, you know, uh, don't interact for the next 60 days and, uh, you know, and, and then it expires. And what that basically does is it allows people to, you know, get away from one another and I don't have any, you know, I don't actually have knowledge of the, the legislative history on this, but I would think that the idea would be to be behind it is it gives either party the ability and the time to file a lawsuit if they need to, or to go seek counseling and to get, you know, to get help uh, on an individual basis uh, related to that. All, you know, both are, are, are really good options in that regard. So, um, so anyway, there, there are a whole lot of different things that, that can be done there, and I just wanted to make sure that everybody understood that it doesn't actually take an ass-whipping to get to the point of, you know, having – uh, to being able to get to a protective order. Absolutely. Um, what if that protect? What else is included in that protective order? Um, what other language can the court put in there that could impact someone who has it issued against them? Because I know that for a lot of people, that's a, you know, the, even the threat of that is uh, is you know something to deal with. Well. One of the biggest things that you generally see is you will have what is referred to as a kickout order, which means that, you know, if husband and wife are living in the house and one of the people gets a protective order, the other person is going to be kicked out from the house so that they're not living together, okay? Because generally you're going to have something like you can't come within 500 feet of, another, of, of the other person. Now, let me mention one other thing, and this is unfortunate, in the, and I see this a lot. Um, if you have... Uh, can, can establish evidence of family violence in a divorce case, it opens up the world of spousal maintenance, and it opens up spousal maintenance for um, a period of time that is not defined. So it could be a year. It could be 10 years. You know, it could go on for, you know, a while anyway. So you see, unfortunately, people trying to make allegations of family violence which are totally bogus, or they are really trumped up. Um, I had a case not long ago where um, I represented the, the husband in this case, and the woman uh, clearly, uh, there, was, there was video and stuff, and um, the video did not prove out what she claimed that it did, and it was clear that she was just trying to provoke him on the, uh, uh, on the tape. Now, you know, we flip the switch on all of that stuff, but, uh, you know, you see those situations, and frankly, it offends, uh, it offends me when the lawyer on the other side hasn't really investigated the claim by their client to, to check the veracity of it, and, and there, unfortunately, are a number of lawyers out there who, they don't really care. They're just listening to what the what their client tells them, they don't investigate it, they take it as gospel, and then they go forward without thinking what the, the ramifications are on that other, on that other person. Because not only does it open up spousal maintenance, it also is a presumption in the family code um, that that person should, well, let me restate this, you can't name 
the, the court cannot name the party's joint managing conservators if they find that there's been family violence. There also is a presumption that that party should be named possessory conservator rather than sole managing, okay? Um, so, you know, that's, that's a bad situation. It doesn't mean that it can't be overcome, and I've seen situations where uh, there has been evidence, but it's been overcome, uh, and that person has been named sole managing conservator, but that means their spouse is named possessory. So it is, it opens up a whole world of hurt for a lot of people, not to mention what it can do to people in job searches and, and stuff like that. I mean, you know, I can't think of a, a more politically hot football right now than, uh, you know, than family violence. Right now, I mean that is that is a a buzz word. You know, you can just look at all the stuff that's happened in the, you know, with the NFL in the past uh, couple or three years with it, uh, and everything that's that's going on. I mean, it it is a crazy area right now where if somebody gets popped with something like that, corporations are trying to decide. Well, if somebody finds out about that, do we really want the possibility of negative press? You know, so it's a mess, man. It's a mess, and it is not something that should be taken lightly. And frankly, you know, it's something I think as a family lawyer, you have an absolute obligation to take a look at stuff and ask some questions. Don't just go, oh, really? He or she did that? Okay, well, we can do this. You need to investigate it. You know, you need to ask right. questions, um, you know, and and make a determination whether or not you believe in in good faith that you can move forward on it, you know, and just because you think you might be able to doesn't mean that you should. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, the thing, too, is to keep keep a level head. I mean, I know that they say people can lose their marbles at any point in time, but, um, you know, one of the things that we're up against, again, like you talk about in the media, um, there are cases where, and that happened in South Lake a couple of years ago, the woman was leaving her family law attorney's office. And husband found her at his intersection and killed her. And, right. you know, see, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, he found her. Did he track her? And, you know, we talk about technology. I mean, just as, as you said, you know, you get one of, I mean, people are very adept now at using the Internet to find information. And sure. um, one thing as troubling as it is that if you have that entered against you, people can find that information, even if it's unfounded and dismissed later. Again, a problem, a bad thing. Also a problem and bad thing, people tracking and hunting people down. You know, we say that, um, you know, family violence doesn't know, you know, race, color, creed, or um, origin, or, uh, or, you know, financial status. You know, oftentimes we see the TV show Cops and the, uh, the, the police are rolling up on the domestic violence calls and they're not the best neighborhoods. Um, but right. that's not to say that domestic violence doesn't also happen in Preston Hollow or, uh, you know, Highland Park homes. Um, you know, oh, really anywhere. All the time. So, yeah. And and as and especially if someone is trying to leave, and the other one, the aggressor, is angry, and the person has means, they could try to hire someone to hunt you down. Um, you know, so I mean, it's just it's one thing alone not to, uh, you know, post your whereabouts on social media, um, but you know, it just seems to be a good idea to have a plan uh, in place. I don't know. Maybe, I just think that it's something that maybe people should talk about more and say, I don't think in a million years this would ever happen, but what would you do 
if that happens. I mean, we have drills for, you know, people are talking about duck and cover drills again, you know, threats of war and everything else. We are so planned in our lives, uh, insurance policies for everything, drills for everything, but, you know, we never like to talk about what happens if my spouse loses their marbles. Well, I mean, you know, that's... <sighs> That's, uh, that's part of the problem. A lot of people don't have a plan. And let's, so here's the easiest thing on, on the plan is run. You know, get the hell out of wherever you are. Go to, you know, go to a family member's house. Go to a friend's house. You know, if you, if you are in fear that you are, uh, you know, subject to something like that that is going to happen, um, you know, then uh, – you need to have those those conversations with you know family members or friends. Now, here's something else to think about. We talk about you know if you get this protective order, like it's the be all and end all. And the fact of the matter is, you know, a protective order is only worth the paper it is written on. You know, so uh, it is only worth something if the person against whom you got it respects it and does something. What it does is it gives you remedies if the person violates it. You know, they'll throw someone's ass in jail, you know, which is great, but that's after the fact, you know. So, mm-hmm. so it's important to have that plan like what you're talking about. I mean, if you're, you know, subject to, to something, I, I recommend to a lot of, you know, a lot of clients, um, especially female clients, that, you know, take a, take a self-defense course, you know, learn, learn what the pressure points are, you know, the sternum, crotch, you know, all these different things, you know, if you're about to get assaulted, you know, pound someone, you know, and, and run, you know, kick them in the knee, you know, uh, kick them in the crotch, run, hit and learn what the pressure points are so you can hit something. And what that's going to do is give you generally a few seconds where the person is going to be stunned or not able to react the way they would want to, and you can get the hell out of there. And that is the first thing, you know, if you think you're uh, about to get some, keep your keys in your hand, you know, put Putting a key wedged between your fingers will do a lot of damage to somebody. And that's what you've got to do is be able to, you know, inflict some sort of pain so that you can get away. So, so obviously, this is a topic that we could talk about forever and what, you know, could bring in self-defense experts and cops and, you know, other lawyers and lots of people to talk about lots of different options. I mean, there, there are, there's a ton of stuff out there. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, if you're, if you're scared of something like that and you're in a relationship with someone, um, you know, you really need to evaluate it because I don't care what your situation is in life. You don't deserve, you know, to be put through that kind of crap. And you need to call a lawyer and figure out how to extricate yourself from the situation. Absolutely. And I can't uh, echo that loud enough. You know, a, a good a good, experienced, board-certified family law attorney is going to have been through all of the different situations and scenarios and has different objective than your friends, family, and neighbors on these topics. Uh, Mark, right. for people who want to talk to you about something like this, uh, you know, confidentially or come in and have a consultation, what's a, a good way for them to follow up with you? You know, easiest way to get me, just call the office, 214-469-3100. Uh, or you can email me directly at mark at scrogginsfamilylaw.com. All right. Well, Mark, I've, I thank you always for your time, and um, thank you all out there for listening. And please do you know, share these. Uh, we, we post all these podcasts on the website and in social media. And 
it's always nice to to hit that share button because you just never know who out there may be going through a situation and you know, might not bring it to your attention, but uh, we're just really looking for some information on these things. So I always appreciate that. Mark, I will talk to you soon. Glad you are back from Advanced Family Law, and um, onward and upward. There we go. Thanks, Nick. You have a uh, great week, right. and everybody out there, too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye now.